Welcome to the Rutledge Perspective Podcast. This podcast is for you, and I welcome you to come as you are. There is no judgment here, just folks doing everything they can to stand in their power and show up every single day. So if you're looking for inspiration, welcome. If you're looking to level up or to make a change or you just need a minute, welcome. And if you're looking for some perspective on your circumstances, either personal or professional, well, that's my jam. No matter why you're here, I'm glad you are. And this message is for you. Welcome to my village. Welcome to this week's episode of the Rutledge Perspective Podcast. And I am thrilled to have my new friend and dear Sarar, Karen Rhodes, as my special guest this week. And I'm going to introduce her to you really quickly, and then we are going to dive in. So Karen is an organizational strategist who is absolutely obsessed with up-leveling leadership capability and optimizing workforces to do their best work. She is the founder of Shockingly Different Leadership, which is a global human capital professional services firm. And she is the author of Lead at the Top of Your Game. And she created her own assessment, Leadership Leadership Tactics Diagnostic. Karen, welcome to the Rutledge Perspective. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so excited and thrilled to have this conversation. So, you know, we um, met through a mutual friend, so you never know how things are going to happen, and then found out we were members of the same sorority, and we've been talking a little bit about leadership and and all those kind of things, and it ties right into what we're going to be talking about today. And so where I would like to start is to have you tell people a little bit about kind of what you're doing now and this this impact that you're attempting to make through the business that you've built. Oh, absolutely. So, and thank you for allowing me to share my story a bit. Um, Well, I've had, uh, we talked about, I had a long career in in human resources, uh, specifically Mm -hmm. as a human resources executive and a leadership development executive. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always been fascinated with how, people who really made significant impact within the, their business or their employer, mm-hmm. how they got that done, right? Yes. And, um, you know, being in over 20 years in the industry, there were two things that popped out for me. Yeah. One was that discontent and disorganization really boiled down to either a lack of leadership or a breakdown in what I call the people infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means you know, anything that's associated with any, you know, employee, staff, or the human element of business. Yes. yes. And so long story short, um, I really wanted to open a firm that make a difference in those two areas, particularly mm-hmm. in, in helping with people infrastructures and initiatives, and then specifically around my all-time passion around leadership development and leadership execution. Yes. The long story short, about six years ago, I could work with a research group to commission a study Mm -hmm. on trying to find those the most successful tactics that successful leaders were able to use that really Mm -hmm. increased the probability of them making a positive impact. And Mm -hmm. um, out of that um, came uh, seven leadership execution tactics that Mm -hmm. really popped out that seem that they do increase your probability of being a stronger, more impactful leader. Oh, great. Great. Well, and, and 
what I love, and, and you guys will who are always listening to the podcast will understand, I love having a an eight another HR professional because we both have had long careers in HR yes. that is not only moving into owning a business, but also understands the business and the impact of leadership on the business. And it's not just like the soft skills and the party planners and all that, right? (laughs) Right. It's it's a real thing, right? It is a very real thing. It's a real thing. And so what I want to start here, because there's so much I want to ask you, but I want to start here. What I know you said, you know, there was something that you started to see. And so you wanted to commission this, this research study. Yes. Take us a little bit more through that. What exactly was there? Was there something that occurred or what, what, what gave you that idea to say, you know what, there's got to be a way to find out what it is that could really be key in helping to build and develop great leaders. And I'm going to actually do real research on that. (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, I I would say that the seed was planted when I was the head of uh, global high potential leadership for Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft Corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, Being in that kind of role, I was part of a lot of think tanks, um, global think tanks, and um, partnered with executives from other major Fortune 50 companies. Mm -hmm. And I've always been passionate about uh, just overall organizational effectiveness. And it really puzzled me why our senior executive leaders were literally dying to see more potential out of their mm-hmm. top performing employees. Well, all employees, mm-hmm. but specifically yes. their top performing employees. Mm-hmm. And then those individuals who were in my high potential program were dying as well to show what they could do. And yes. for some reason, it seemed that there wasn't a match. Um, there, yeah. And I wondered where was the the miss, where was the gap? Mm-hmm. You know, if someone mm-hmm. wanted to see one, something, someone wanted to meet the need, but for some reason it wasn't evolving. Yeah. And then on top of that, when the employees weren't able to really demonstrate at their full potential, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. really impacted their well-being at work. Uh, they ended yes. up being frustrated. Um, they didn't feel that they were Um, being as impactful as they wanted to be. And if it kept continuing, eventually they started looking for greener pastures. And so the companies were losing their best talent, their intellectual property, uh, they send their heads of those employees who ended up leaving. And I'm like, gosh, there's got to be a way to, uh, to stop that um, ineffectiveness. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's one of the reasons why um, you know, I tried to find mm-hmm. out back then when I was employed, mm-hmm. what were some of those root causes, but I quickly realized that it was deeper than that. And I needed to mm-hmm. commission a research study with not only members in um, the Microsoft organization, but mm-hmm. with organizations across the globe. And so mm-hmm. that's what uh, really drove the desire to open up and expand uh, the data pool. Well, and I think, you know, especially now with, with, you know, so we at one point we were saying post COVID, but I don't know that we'll ever be post COVID. <laughs> right. Uh, but in the midst of COVID, right? right. Um, there's so much now, and 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 I don't know about you, but I fall kind of in this really weird gray area. There's so much now um, power in the employee space, right? That yes. the employee has more power to negotiate and determine what they will and will not tolerate. 
They will. Yeah. And which is, which is really nice, right. To see some of that pendulum swing. Cause it is forcing poorer leaders, you know, to do something different. Yeah. But on the other side of that coin is businesses, a capitalist structure that still exists, that is still focused on a bottom line that has promoted and supported. And um, in some cases, uplifted poor leaders and a certain method of, of dealing with employees. And, and there's a disconnect. So some of them are trying to do a little bit better because not because of the goodness of their hearts, but because they're losing <laughs> In talent. The bottom line. <laughs> exactly. It's the bottom line. And so as I talk to employees, I'm like, look, yes, you have greater negotiating power right now, but at the end of the day is still a business, right? It so you, you have to decide what your non-negotiables are and then be ready to walk away. So when you, and and leaders need to be ready to lose some people, right? It's a turnover in and of itself. is not bad. It's just what kind of turnover. So as you did this study and as you, you in your business now are working with leaders, Mm -hmm. how are you helping leaders balance? Uh, Because leadership is about behavior, not position, right? It is. How are you helping leaders balance this increased power? And in some case, unreasonable demands, right, of employees with their own need to be better leaders and really understand the nuances in the gray area? How are you helping them navigate that? That's a great question. Uh, And it's, as you can imagine, it's it's different for every individual, right? Because every individual and every company has a different um, operating environment. They have different Mm -hmm. values, norms, uh, there's, you know, different types of red tape and things right. that happen, right? So you have to get really specific on each person's individual quagmires, what they're trying to tackle. Mm-hmm. But at a Uber level, what I do say is that employees must feel comfortable in articulating what it is that they desire mm-hmm. and how the company or employer can help make that happen mm-hmm. from their perspective, from their point of mm-hmm. view. And employers have to be willing to have those listening conversations mm-hmm. and both need to be at the table having discussions on what could be a win-win solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's a breakdown on either the employee not being able to articulate what they need and, and how mm-hmm. the organization can help them. And, mm-hmm. or if the employer is not willing to use those active listening skills, right. Then it's, a, you know, then that's the, the type of discourse that happens when mm-hmm. um, both sides are saying, Hmm, this might not be an ideal situation right. to keep this employment arrangement in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, and we try to yeah. focus on, on that. And then, mm-hmm. of course, employees always say, well, how? How do you do that? How do you make that right. happen, right? <laughs> right? And then that's where um, some of the tactics that we talked, that came out of the research come into mm-hmm. play. I don't know if you want me to share those at all. Yeah, sure. I'd love you to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So employees always ask, well, how do I put forward uh, my best self and lead as my best mm-hmm. self and capture the attention um, of the decision and convince and influence the decision yes. makers? And although out of the research, there were, gosh, over 50 
um, methods or tactics that came out, mm-hmm. there was a clear demarcation line at the top seven that had the okay. most impact and influence. So we decided, hey, let's focus on those top seven, right? Try right. to infuse those into the world, and if that would greatly increase the probability. So real quick, I'll mm-hmm. just run this down. Okay. The first tactic uh, we encourage employees or individuals is to lead mm-hmm. intellectual horsepower. That mm-hmm. is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing their knowledge, skills, and abilities in a very creative mm-hmm. way to the yes. organization. The second one is all about um, leading with um, courageous agility. And mm-hmm. courageous agility is all about standing up for what you believe in, even if you're yes. unsure about what's going to happen. Okay? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. third is leading with strategic decision-making. And that's mm-hmm. all about um, making sure that you're leading with a great decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And bringing those that are key stakeholders in that decision-making process together. Right. Uh, the fourth is all about leading with entrepreneurship. And that's mm-hmm. about finding ways to uh, improve on product services and processes within the organization. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. think of a single organization that wouldn't love to improve their products or services. If right. they always have great ideas. Uh, the yes. fifth one real quick is um, leading with the drive for results. That's mm-hmm. being tenacious about getting to the end game and yes. show a result. Uh, the sixth one is leading with executive presence. Mm-hmm. And that's all about um, having the right presentations, data um, to influence uh, mm-hmm. those executives that are making uh, the final go, no go decisions. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the final one is leading with stakeholder savvy. And that yeah. is all about understanding. It's kind of akin to emotional intelligence, but it's all mm-hmm. about understanding all of the stakeholders that are involved um, yeah. with you professionally and making mm-hmm. sure you understand their perspectives um, and value what they yeah. bring to the table too. And that a little bit of DEI and all that is included mm-hmm. in stakeholder savvy. So mm-hmm. those are the seven um, tactics yeah. that have really popped out and all of them are equally valid and mm-hmm. you, you use them probably daily. They're not yes. rocket science kind of things, but there are times when you are in the work world when you might use one tactic to mm-hmm. really make um, inroads into what mm-hmm. you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might switch to another tactic, you know, based on making progress mm-hmm. or not making progress. So we help um, guide mm-hmm. employees and teach organizations how to use those tactics to be um, more adept within the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I'm actually going to turn my, I realized I should probably put my phone on do not disturb um, <laughs> instead of just, instead of just turning it off, because for some reason, everyone is deciding to call us during this amazing conversation that we're having. Um, and so when you look at those tactics, though, I mean, because those are so, like you said, it's not that it's rocket science, but people don't necessarily think that clearly, right? There's yes. just seven things to really focus on. Yeah. And so when I, when I hear you say those things, I think about the conversations that I've had with people about, mm-hmm. you know, you have got to master your skill, right? Master yeah. your craft. Yeah. You have got to be able to speak up. You've got to be courageous, especially HR people. Yes. If you're not courageous, I need you to not be in HR. That's because, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you got to call the organization on the carpet. You've yes. got to call employees on the carpet, right? Absolutely. You've got to learn how to walk that line of being a business person first and HR person second, right? Because right. if there's no business, 
nobody has a job. That's right. But there was one that you said of those seven too, that I think is, is really important for people, which is not only, you know, mastering your skill and being courageous, but also the one where you were talking about, you know, be able to be agile, Mm, be agile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and we often, and, and think about stakeholders, yeah. right? Because, because our capitalism has moved us into shareholder mindset, not stakeholder mindset. Absolutely. And so when you're thinking about stakeholders, it's so much bigger. So how do you help, especially someone who is in, in corporate, say, say we're talking to somebody who's in corporate right now, who's like, man, I, I love what I'm doing, but I'm ready to be promoted. Or I'm, I'm just, I need to do something different, whether that stay here and get a promotion or do something else. What is it about that knowledge of stakeholders Mm -hmm. that you can give to people to help them really get more savvy Mm -hmm. around that? Yes, that's a great question. What the first thing I will say is remember this, the conversation about your stakeholders, it's about them, not you. You may be bringing a lot to the table, but they really want to understand what's in it for them. How are you going to affect change? Um, why should they um, be your sponsors or be supportive mm-hmm. or what have you? So mm-hmm. you, you really have to understand their perspectives and how you mm-hmm. can best help them while mm-hmm. also in turn helping yourself. And I, I shared with one of the, my mentees, she was um, asking a similar question. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, throughout my career, there's one question that I asked every single year when mm-hmm. it performance review time came or when we had one-on-ones with my manager. And mm-hmm. that was, what is the most important way or effort or initiative that I can do that would help your um, MBOs or initiatives yes. or accountabilities for the year. Mm-hmm. What is something that I can do to, to really help both you as you're being mm-hmm. evaluated and help mm-hmm. our team? Yes. And usually the manager would give me two to three or what have you. And mm-hmm. if I could positively affect or, or um, move forward mm-hmm. or help them accomplish a few of those. Yeah then that was the basis of what I use for going uh, over and above mm-hmm. my core position. Cause believe you me, I rocked it out every year. Yeah. I was really focused on <laughs> right? taking care of what I was supposed to do, taking mm-hmm. care of my business, my accountabilities. But on yes. top of that, if I could tackle one or two things at a minimum, just one thing mm-hmm. that was top of mind for either my manager or my skip level manager yes, and did that successfully, that laid the groundwork for a conversation of me performing at a higher level as compared to my peers. Mm -hmm. And that's, as you know, in HR, when we go through succession planning or promotion conversations, the question comes up, how has Karen performed relative to her peers? And if you give your manager, skip level manager, the ammunition to go in with pure data to support that, it mm-hmm. helps increase, it doesn't guarantee, but increase right. the likelihood that your name will remain in conversation for that short list for promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, you, you all out there, you could put it in your own words and, you know, um, but hopefully that's a nugget that you can use yeah. to start preparing for those conversations for your next step. 
I love that. And that, and that actually leads me into this next, next bit for, for people as they are, are moving through this journey, whether that's to stay in their corporate roles or, or nonprofit roles, whatever it is, you know, where they're, they're an employee somewhere or whether they're looking to move into entrepreneurship or do a hybrid, right? They don't, right. they want to keep their day job because they love it, uh, but they also want to do kind of this thing on the side. Sure. Take us a little bit through your journey. Like, how did you, did you start out in HR? How did you what, kind of walk people through how you moved up in, in Microsoft and, and in your career before you decided to start your business? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I I actually, my very first job uh, out of school was actually working for the Small Business and Administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a mentor to small businesses who did not have an HR department. Mm-hmm. HR was kind of a newly created field um, mm-hmm. that kind of dates me a little bit, but mm-hmm. as a, a newer created um, mm-hmm. field uh, when I finished school and it used to be called personnel back in the day. Yes. The day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, but I knew I love business and I knew I love people. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, gosh, if I could learn the business of people, that would be great. I started mm-hmm. out in psychology um, yeah. and didn't realize that I didn't want a full career as an academic or a counselor or in psychology. Right. I really want to get into business. And mm-hmm. so when I went for my MBA and, and discovered human resources, I was like, oh, wow, this is the best of both worlds. Right. So I started out as an advisor and then mm-hmm. um, kind of grew my career through almost all functional areas. I didn't do benefits and compensation, but mm-hmm. I did do um, did talent acquisition, mm-hmm. HR journalist work, um, talent development, and kind of moved mm-hmm. up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really wanted to get executive C-level experience. Um, yes. And so I was able to do that in the corporate side of the house. Mm-hmm. And in full transparency, um, I was able to... Uh, there was a, a program at Microsoft before mm-hmm. it was cool to have one where mm-hmm. you could have open up a small business on the side, as long as it didn't compete with the company's core yes. uh, mm-hmm. business. So I was able to start out very small while employed. Mm-hmm. So I had that mm-hmm. financial stability, had to meet with yeah. legal once a year to make sure of course. all the are crossed, <laughs> eyes are dotted. Right. But I was blessed to have that jump start and mm-hmm. fell in love with it. Um, had rich conversations with my uh, EVP, and she says, "Look, mm-hmm. you're flying. Why don't you go and try this? And you can always come back." And I said, "Okay, mm-hmm. I'm recording you saying this, so right, correct. <laughs> I'm coming back." Uh, but anywho, I uh, hadn't looked back since um, mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. then. But what I really love um, is the opportunity to be able to help work with more than just one single organization yes, and help yes. them fill a gap that is needed to mm-hmm. get them going um, right. where the, to the point that they can carry on themselves and, you know, mm-hmm. work um, mm-hmm. themselves. So I love right. the variety. I love uh, the, it's so dynamic to work with so yes. many different companies and leaders and, 
you know, haven't looked back since. <laughs> yes. No, I love that. And I think that's why, you know, when, when people reach out to me and, and, and comment and things, it's, it really is important for folks to know that everybody's journey is different, right. Mm-hmm. And, and different doesn't mean wrong or better right. or worse or any of that. It's just different. And mm-hmm. so now you're hearing someone who actually started in small business administration. I think you're the first person I've interviewed who started off there. Really? Right? And then ended up, yeah. And then ended up at Microsoft and, and in an organization that actually allowed, promoted, supported. Yes side hustles, right? Because many organizations, you know, people feel like they got to be covert about it and they got to be careful and they got to, and, and sidebar, I need all of you, if you're going to start a business while you're working, I do need you to really be cognizant of any employment agreement that you've signed. Um, Because I've been in an organization where it was like, you will dedicate hundred percent of your time to blah, blah, blah. It was ridiculous. And it wouldn't have held up in court, but it was still there. Right. And everyone signed it. And so really make sure if you're going to do something on the side, that if it is even remotely close to what your company does, that you dot all your I's and cross all your T's as Karen just said, because you don't want to have to go after that kind of fight. That's right. For for when you leave, right. You don't want to do that. So, so I just, and and one other thing always. um, So once you make sure that is done, Mm -hmm. always make sure you do your work on your own personal laptop and um, your own personal signings. Do not do a single thing on the company. Even Mm -hmm. if you have approval, because yes. technically, if you use their equipment, it can be claimed as their intellectual property versus yes. yours. So exactly, exactly. Separate. You've got to protect yourself. Separate phone. I don't Everything. care if you get, which I stopped a long time ago, having a one phone that had my personal number and my company number on it. Yeah, no, I stopped it. Two, two phones. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt to carry two, it carry is. two phones. I just, two phones. Just carry two phones, right? Yeah. Just make sure you've got, you've got separate stuff because yeah. you want to make sure that you are protecting yourself um, should you go forward. Yeah. So, so Karen, as you think through all that you've done mm-hmm. and the people that you've mentored and the leaders that you have, you know, coached and counseled and advised and all of this kind of thing, yeah. what is the biggest thing this is the first question. What is the biggest thing that you have been surprised by? Oh, there's a laundry list. Let's see. Um, <laughs> right. Cause you can't make this stuff up. In exactly, I know right? you can't, <laughs> you know, I think the biggest thing is how even the most successful leaders are mm-hmm. very insecure sometimes Mm, and question mm -hmm. themselves they even have imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. you would think if they've gotten to a certain status level or career stage that they would be a lot more confident in some ways they they are but Mm -hmm. they're they still um struggle with a bit of what I'll call insecurity but it's questioning Mm -hmm. am I doing the right thing um am I um, putting the, the business in the right position. Um, and I believe for the most of them, they know that they're impacting a ton of li- uh, lives mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. for their employees. They're conscious that there's a ton of revenue or um, that is tied to their activities. Mm-hmm. And they have a fear of failure, even at that high level. Now they do mm-hmm. as much as they can to, to network, ask questions, resolve mm-hmm. um the 
the unknowns that are out mm-hmm. there, but we all still have unknowns. And that's when you have to have that courageous agility to still go forth. You, you, you yes. try to understand as much as you can, but at some point you're going to have to make a move and take the most you gotta go. educated step you can. But yeah. that was one of the things that surprised me about mm-hmm. they almost all of them respected and needed a confidant, someone mm-hmm. to talk to because they had underlying insecurities on yeah how to best to move forward you know and that's so important I think to I'm so glad you said that because I think we often forget how important grace is yeah right um and it is the further you go up it it looks all shiny and pretty right to be sitting (laughs) in the big office and to be able to go to the meetings and to be asked (laughs) to sit on the panels and the boards but it is lonely at the top there's so much that you can't say there's so many things you there's so much you know that you can't share having that confidant is critical and then having an organization and people around you who can give you some grace understanding that those leadership roles are not easy so those of you who are going after them know it's not all shiny it is not not all shiny shiny. not at all Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) there's a lot of work behind it so so then the next question is for you personally what has been your most significant learning over this, let's just say over this last kind of 10 years. Oh, most significant learning. Uh, that almost everything is what I call figure outable. You there, mm. um, there will be a lot of roadblocks that come up or things that you're unsure about. Mm-hmm. But if you take a deep breath, and be very open to researching alternatives. Sometimes you'll have to go and interview and talk to others that might be a, a bit more uh, educated or a bit more mm-hmm. astute in areas that you're not as a student in. But there are very few situations where there are not alternatives out there. Yeah. You might have yeah. to research and find them and they may not all make you click your heels and happiness, <laughs> right? <laughs> but they're usually you're able to boil it down to a few alternatives and then be able to identify the better out of the alternatives. So mm-hmm. I, I counsel and coach a lot of leaders, you know, to take that deep breath. Mm-hmm. Let's look to see where we can start sourcing what our options are, mm-hmm. get as much information as we can then let's sit down, map it out and choose the best of alternatives. And then maybe even do pilot programs or test out thinking Mm -hmm. if you're still very unsure, maybe with a confidential group or focus group or something. But um, there are very few things short of murder that we can't Mm -hmm. try to solve. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and you know, like you said, I love a good pilot, man. If we're going to test something, just call it a pilot. If people get really nervous, just put pilot in front of it. They'll give you that grace. Right. Because <laughs> that gives you, pilot gives you a lot of cover, right? A lot of air cover. <laughs> Lots of air cover. We're just gonna t- it's just a pilot. It's just yeah, a pilot. I know happens. all 400 of y'all want to be in it, but it's just yeah. a pilot, right? <laughs> so, it's okay. Exactly. Um, and then the last question before we close is what would be, so if you think about, you know, the audience, people who are doing great, right? in what they're doing and just continuing to move up, but wanting to do great jobs. And some people who are trying to figure it out right now, right? Where do I need to be? Is this it? Is this really it? Yeah. What is a key piece of guidance for people 
as they go forward, after they listen to this podcast and they're trying to take their next step, um, either from a happy place or from a, I have no idea what I'm doing place. Uh What is a key piece of guidance that you would give to someone? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I would probably start at encouraging them to understand what is their differentiating value. Mm. Um, that I use that term quite a bit in my book, but what it boils down to is what is it that you're bringing to the table mm-hmm. regarding skills and abilities, but mm-hmm. you also have a passion for where's mm-hmm. where that your skills and, and abilities intersects with your passion. That's mm-hmm. kind of what the differentiating value is, what you bring to the table. I'd have them start to really think about what that is, mm-hmm. because once you know what that is, that becomes your North Star. And then that yeah. becomes um, the way you articulate um, your you know, elevator speech of value mm-hmm. or where, what kind of paths you like opened up for you whether mm-hmm. you know kind of where you think you want to go or whether you don't have a clue. You've mm-hmm. got to uh, make sure that you are comfortable and confident in yes. your differentiating value so that you can make the type of impact that you want to make in the world mm-hmm. on your terms. And that's what's oh. key. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that because it opens up space for, as I call it, and I can't own this. I heard it from the, the head of HR at Marathon uh-huh. several years ago is it allows you to have a career flow and not a career path. Yes. If you keep your North star, yes. you might deviate, but it's just that your path gets a little curved instead of straight and nobody's right. path is always straight. No. Oh, I there. love that. No know your North star. Know your North star. That's beautiful. Well, Karen, Sarah, I am so, so, so happy that we got a chance to have this conversation. Um, This was great. And I, for those of you who are listening to the pre-recorded podcast, I invite you to join us because this is going to release um, in, on, in, in, in August um, next week, I believe it's the 17th next week. And we are going to do an after show on Thursday evening on Fireside. And you will get to come and join us, jump in the audience, jump on video and ask Karen all the questions that you have, jump in the conversation with us as we continue to talk about how you really navigate this whole leadership space, because you can lead from the back. You You can lead from the back. It's Mm -hmm. just about having, you know, those those three, those seven tactics, as he says, right? <laughs> Understanding those seven tactics and how they really translate for you. So join us uh, on Fireside. You will see all the announcements coming out. And in the meantime, um, be sure and go pick up her book, Lead at the Top of Your Game. So be sure and pick that up uh, for sure. Some nuggets out of there as well. And Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. I am so appreciative. Oh, it's been a tremendous joy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we will catch you guys next week. Be sure to click a like, send us a review, uh, send me a note and say, hey, would you interview this person or would you talk about this thing and go out and really make it a fantastic rest of your week. Take care. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and for connecting. You can find previous episodes of the podcast on my website at laurelrutledge.com forward slash podcast. 
You can also find me on social media at Laurel K. Rutledge and or The Rutledge Perspective. And I'd love your perspective on the things we talk about. And if there's a specific topic you want me to cover, just let me know. And please share this podcast with someone in your village who may need this little piece of perspective today. And if you're so inclined, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on the platform of your choice. Apple Podcasts and Spotify reviews are particularly helpful. Thank you again for listening. Take care.